Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as you listen in. We start in 3, 2, 1. Um, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Shiramba, for, for another opportunity to share, to share God's word. Uh, as I've mentioned before, Pastor Shiramba is an old friend and uh, also an old uh, schoolmate. So we went to high school together, so great to get to do ministry together with an old high school mate. Um, also welcoming uh, Gary. Welcome, and uh, nice to see you after a long, long time. And, uh, and to Gary's friends, I uh, just want to say Gary was one of us, and Gary made a big impact in this country and in this church, and I also had the opportunity uh, to do some radio ministry. I'm involved in some radio ministry, and I once had uh, a session with, with Gary on national radio, and he talked about a, a rather difficult topic, but he spoke boldly about it, right? Um, you know, somebody told me the other day about Dr. Livingstone coming out as a missionary to Africa, and both Livingstone and his brother were trained surgeons, were trained doctors, and when he was coming, I think his brother asked him, why would you waste your life? You trained as a doctor. Why waste your life going to Africa? But Dr. Livingstone came to Africa and spent his whole life in Africa. If you go to the encyclopedia, you have an entire page that basically is dedicated to Dr. Livingstone. And on his brother who was left out in England practicing medicine, the only thing they say in the encyclopedia is that he was Dr. Livingstone's brother. And uh, Gary, you've come out to Africa. You've spent many years here. And uh, hopefully in the encyclopedia in heaven, there will be a full page just recognizing what you did when you're out here. So thank you so much. Um, this morning, I want to talk about the two most famous boats in history. There are many boats we read about. But there are two particularly famous boats in history and that's actually what I want to speak about. And uh, the lessons I'll be taking are all from basically the book of Genesis and the book of uh, Peter, first and second uh, Peter. Now the first boat we have in history, or actually just thinking about the two most famous boats in history, we've got the Titanic, which sailed about a, a hundred years back. And you've got Noah's Ark, which was here more than 5,000 years back. And interestingly, the Titanic was about 270 meters long. And when you go to the book of Genesis, Genesis 6, we realize that Noah's Ark was 135 meters long. In short, Noah's Ark was exactly half the length of the Titanic. I don't think they thought about that when they were building the Titanic. But the Titanic was twice as long as Noah's Ark. So what are the lessons we can learn from these two boats? Maybe we could go to the next slide. We start off with the Titanic. All we know is that the Titanic was a great feat of naval engineering. When it was constructed about 100 years back, it was the biggest feat of engineering at that point. It was the biggest thing that had ever sailed in the world. It is, it is, it is stated that one person, whether it was the engineer or the pilot, but one person said the Titanic was so strong and so well built that not even God could sink the Titanic. That's how they were confident about the Titanic. 
However, we know that uh, the Titanic hit an iceberg during its maiden voyage, and it drowned. They said not even God could do it. God did not bother with it. Just one iceberg was enough to sort out the Titanic. So when I think about the Titanic and all man's glory and all the things that people did to create the Titanic, there isn't that much you can learn from the Titanic. So I thought that's as much as we want to learn from the Titanic. Let's move on to the next slide. I think there's something a little bit more we can learn from Noah's Ark. Right? So we'll focus on the second boat, right? on the earlier boat. The Titanic, very few lessons. Not even God can sink it. One thing gets us out. And as you go through the Bible, you find many verses talking about that kind of thought. You know, all men are like grass, and all their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass with us, the flowers fall. But the word of God stands forever. So there's so little we can learn from the Titanic. But what about Noah's ark and the man who built the ark? And I want to focus on four lessons from Noah's ark. And the first lesson we'll be looking at is that Noah walked with God. Noah walked in holiness with God. The second lesson we'll be looking at is that Noah worked diligently for God. The Noah waited patiently for God. The Noah witnessed faithfully for God. So four W's and we'll be done, right? He walked, he walked, he waited, and he witnessed. So you can get the four W's for those who take notes. You know, he walked, he walked, he waited, and finally, he witnessed. So reading our first passage for the morning is found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 9. And it reads, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the, of the thoughts of the man of the human heart was only all the, was evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I'll wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked, that's the first word, he walked faithfully with God. Noah walked faithfully with God. And the question is, what are the lessons we can learn from Noah's walk? In each of the four thoughts that I have this morning, I thought, let's think about a lesson that we can learn. When we think about the life of Noah, Noah lived in an evil world, and yet he walked with God. God makes it very clear. Everything that people are thinking about, all that was going on in the days of Noah was just evil, and yet God makes it clear. Noah walked with God. You know, often we try to be relative. We try to be better than the next person. And I'm reminded of the person who had come on holiday in the Masai Mara with his friends. And they were in one of those hot air balloons, and the hot air balloon lost pressure and came and hit the ground. And when it did, they noticed, probably 20, 20 30 meters away, they noticed a lion, a real, a real lion in the Masai Mara. And guys thought, now what do we do? 
And all of these guys basically just got his bag and removed his sneakers and he started tying the shoelaces on his sneakers. And the next guy told him, you know, you actually can't outrun a lion. A lion can actually do 100 meters in uh, six or seven seconds. That's much faster than Usain Bolt. So there's no use putting on your sneakers. You can't outrun a lion. And the man says, who's worried about the lion? I'm worried about you. As long as I can run faster than you, <laughs> then I'll be fine. <laughs> and without the guy, I was gone, right? And you know, that's how we behave or we act when we're thinking about the issue of holiness. As long as I'm a little better than the other person, I don't steal as much as the other person. I don't this like the other person. I don't, you know, and we can keep comparing ourselves. But the Bible tells us Noah walked with God. Noah did not walk better than the others. Noah walked with God. And the corresponding thought is actually found in 1 Peter 1.16, where God says, be holy as I am holy. You see, the standard is not the evil people in this world. The standard is God. God says, be holy as I am holy. God expects us to walk with him, not to walk apart from the other people or differently from the other people. Be holy as I am holy. And then I think about 1 Peter 3, 20 to 21, when he talks about baptism. And it says, baptism is a pledge for a clear conscience. You know, baptism is actually a pledge. I mean, I don't know if you can see clearly enough. Right? God waited patiently in the days of Noah. So actually in the book of Peter, God is actually referring back to the time of Noah. And God is saying, God waited patiently in the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, while the ark was being built, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. When you think about baptism, you're actually thinking about just making a pledge to walk with God, a clear conscience. Today we've had child dedication, and when they're older, what they'll need to do is to go through the waters of baptism, and in the waters of baptism, what you're basically doing is basically making a pledge to walk with God, right? We each have to decide at some point in our lives to walk with God. If you get baptized and you don't pledge to walk with God, then you basically go in a dry sinner and you come out a wet sinner, all right? It doesn't really help you. What you need to do through all this is basically to determine that you're going to walk with God. Noah walked with God. And I ask you this morning as a first lesson, have you determined to walk with God? Have you determined to walk with God as Noah walked with God? We live in an evil world. We live in a corrupt world. We live in an immoral world. We live, and you can have that whole list of all the things that are going wrong, but that's not necessary because in Noah's time, you had all those things. In fact, we're told in the last days, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be at the coming of the Son of Man. So all those things that we've had in the past, they're still going on. Don't focus on those things. Focus on walking with God. Make a pledge even today that you will walk with a clear conscience. You will walk with God. But the second thought I want us to think about is that Noah worked diligently for God. In Genesis 6 we read, so Noah... <clears throat> So God said to Noah, go make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it 
and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you have to build it. The arc is to be 300 cubits long. 300 cubits is actually 135 meters, so that's why I got the fact that Noah's arc was 135 meters. It's actually going to be 300 cubits long and 30 cubits high. It was 13 and a half meters high. That's probably a four-story building. What we find is that Noah worked diligently for God. Think about all the technology that we had, you know, man and humanity had created in 5,000 years. And what they could create was a 270-meter boat. And Noah, five or 6,000 years ago, was already able to build that length. That was a very diligent piece of work. We think of the Titanic, and they began work in 1909, and they built it for about three years. At the peak of construction, the shipyard in the UK, where the Titanic was built, basically had about 14,000 men working on it, 14,000 men. In the case of Noah, we only know that he had three sons, and I don't think he was outsourcing any of the building of the boat. So here was a man diligently building a boat. God told him, build a boat, and this man worked diligently, right? The Titanic sank on its maiden voyage, and Noah's ark survived this whole thing. And it's really a question of thinking about how diligent are we in terms of the work God gives us. Maybe we should go to the next slide, and I think that will help us gather our thoughts together. You see, the next slide, we read in Genesis 7, verse 17. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the ground. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Every living thing on the on the, surface of, on the face of the earth was wiped out, and animals and creatures that move along and the birds were wiped out. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. You see, Noah did an amazing piece of work. It was an amazing piece of engineering that after 40 days, remember that the Titanic only needed one iceberg and it was gone. But Noah's, Noah's ark was beaten by the rain, by the flood for 40 days, and it survived. And what is the lesson we're learning this morning? It's about working diligently for God. Whatever God gives us to do, we need to work diligently. And I think, you know, in the 21st century or in the current day, God does not call all of us to be pastors as our senior pastor is or missionaries as our Gary and his friends are, but God calls each of us to get a job done. And the challenge is, as Christians, are we working diligently? You see, Noah was called to be an engineer. Um, building a boat is a work of engineering. We don't find Noah praying for a boat to come out. We find Noah building a boat. God calls Noah to be an engineer. There were other things that he did, but primarily we find Noah's life as one of an engineer. And he did a good job. And I want to challenge us as a church to basically say 99% of you are not pastors or preachers. I'm not a pastor myself. I'm just a layman in the church. Are we out there in the marketplace basically doing a diligent piece of work? You know, one of my friends um, was invited by Martin, or we connected with Martin. One of my friends came to speak to the men's fellowship maybe a couple of months ago, Dr. Steve Geshohe. 
And Dr. Steve Gishow, he's the chairman of the Department of Ophthalmology at the University of Nairobi. This is perhaps the foremost surgeon or medical thinker as far as the eye is concerned in this part of the world. In fact, a while back, he actually got honored by the queen before she passed away. But this is a Christian brother who had come to speak to the men over here. You see, if you're a doctor and you're a Christian, then basically work as unto the Lord. Work diligently. This week, I had the opportunity to have a chat with an old friend of mine, and he wrote a software that basically drives how solar, solar, you know, how solar work does, right? It's now the foremost solar software globally. The company has now been valued at just under five billion US. Just to give you a feel as Kenyans, five billion dollars is the size of Equity Bank, Kenya Commercial Bank, Cooperative Bank, and maybe throw another one or two banks in there, right? That's a software that was co-founded by somebody who's a Christian brother. Incidentally, I know your kids were at Roslyn Academy. This gentleman studied at Roslyn Academy, then moved on to Chicago, and then off to Stanford, and wrote the foremost software globally, right? Five billion US worth of a business, right? What am I getting at? If you're getting into software and you're a Christian, do something. In fact, part of Tesla is actually built around, you know, part of the Tesla company today uses his company as the back office, right? So everybody knows Tesla and, and the richest man in the world. They don't realize who's driving some of that stuff. A Christian brought up at Roslyn Academy, a son of a missionary. His dad was actually a missionary. That's how he ended up at, at Roslyn, right? What is the point I'm getting at over here? Work diligently as unto the Lord. The third thought that we have this morning is that Noah waited patiently for God. Genesis 5.24. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Then we move to Genesis chapter 7, verse 6. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife's sons entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. So we first find Noah when he's 500 years old. That's when, you know, we are, we are introduced to him. And then the next time God tells us, this man is now 600 years. We cannot know for certain how long he took to build the ark, but it was clearly, at least my reading, anything up to 100 years. You know, so if he started building the day God said, now Noah was 500 years because he was then given the instruction and then he started building, that could have been 100 years. Maybe it was less. Some scholars would say it was probably about 60, maybe 70 years. But what we know is that that ark was built for a very long time. In fact, when you get to 1 Peter, because I keep oscillating between Genesis and Peter, when you get to 1 Peter 3.20, the Bible says God waited patiently in the days of Noah when the ark was being built. Even God says he had to wait patiently. So patiently, I mean, he, he, did, he did wait for some time. And the thought that I want us to focus on as our third lesson for this morning is basically Noah waited patiently. Noah building the ark was not something that was told in the morning, go and do this, and in the afternoon it was done. Noah waited patiently. You know, God waits patiently for people. In the days of Noah, God waited patiently for all these sinners to turn for God or turn to God. And God, obviously, Noah had to wait patiently as God was also waiting patiently because Noah could not move ahead of God. God waits patiently, but not indefinitely for sinners. 
And God calls us to do different things. And at times, the things that God calls us to do call for a lot of patience. Delays are not denials. Finally, one of these days, God's patience will run out, and God will decide, now game's up, let's move on. And whatever God has called you to do, you need to be patient. Right? God calls us to do so many things, and we need to be patient. So often we think, if only this thing can be done and done immediately. But God at times calls us for patience. All those night. God's promises all come to pass. And finally, what God had promised came to pass. Let me move on to my last point. And the last point I have basically says Noah witnessed. That's lesson number four. We have looked at Noah walked, Noah walked, Noah waited, and finally, Noah witnessed. In Genesis 7, we read, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because, you, because I found you righteous in this generation. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. And my question for you today is who will you take to heaven with you? You see, Noah took his whole family to heaven with him. And my question is, who will you take to heaven with you? Let me, t let me read a story for you. It was actually in yesterday's uh, daily bread. And my wife uses the daily bread, so I got to look at it, right? And you see, in the lesson that we learn, if you, if you look at, at, at the Noah's Ark being, not no, no, Noah's Ark, at the Titanic basically hitting the iceberg. And the story is told, come at once, we have struck a bug. Those are the first words Harold Cotton, the wireless operator on RMS Carpathia, received from the sinking RMS Titanic at 12.25 a.m. on 15th April, 1912. Come at once, we have struck an iceberg. The Carpathia will be the first ship to the disaster scene, saving 706 lives. In the U.S. Senate hearing days later, the Carpathia's captain, Arthur Roston, testified, the whole thing was absolutely providential. The wireless operator was in his cabin at the time, not on official business at all, but just simply listening as he was undressing. In the 10 minutes later, he would probably have been in bed and would not have heard that message. The Titanic, <clears throat> the night the Titanic sank, another ship was much closer but its wireless operator had gone to bed. Had he heard the distress signal, perhaps more lives would have been saved. Dear Karura member, on which ship are you today? Are you on the Carpathia, which heard the distress call at the midnight hour and saved over 700 lives? Or are you on the Titanic, the other ship, whose man was asleep and just sailed along as people perished on the Titanic. This morning, are you hearing the distress call of unsaved friends and loved ones? And you, will you witness to them? You see, Noah witnessed to his family and to others.
This morning, I want to summarize our message, our thoughts for the day. Number one, Noah walked with God. Noah worked for God. Noah waited. Noah witnessed. Let me conclude the message by reading one final story, and I think with that our time will be passed and uh, we'll be able to go home. It has been more than a hundred years since the Titanic, the greatest ship of its time, sank on its maiden voyage, killing more than 1,500 passengers. The unsinkable ship had done just that. I'll conclude this morning's sermon with one of the supreme stories of the Titanic. It involves a heroic pastor and his passion to save lives and souls. When Pastor John Harper and his six-year-old daughter boarded the Titanic, it was for the privilege of preaching at one of the greatest churches in America, Moody Church in Chicago, named for his famous founder, Dwight L. Moody. But Pastor John Harper was not just crossing the Atlantic to preach one sermon. He was on en route to America to take over as pastor of the Moody Church. Harper was an experienced pastor and a great open-air preacher. When the Titanic hit the iceberg, Harper successfully led his daughter to a lifeboat. Being a widower, he may have been allowed to join her, but instead forsook his own rescue, choosing to provide the masses with one more chance to know Christ. Harper ran from person to person, passionately telling others about Jesus Christ. As the water began to submerge the unsinkable boat, Harper was heard shouting, women, children, and the unsaved into the lifeboats. Rebuffed by a certain man at the offer of salvation, Harper gave him his own life verse saying, you need this more than I do. Up until the last moment on the ship, Harper pleaded with people to give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. The ship disappeared beneath the deep, frigid waters, leaving hundreds floundering in its wake with no realistic chance for rescue. Harper struggled through hypothermia to swim to as many people as he could, still sharing the gospel. Harper evidently would lose his battle with hypothermia, but not, but not before giving many people one last glorious gospel witness. Four years later, the you know, after, four years after the tragedy, at a, at a Titanic survivor's meeting in Ontario, Canada, one survivor recounted his interaction with Harper in the middle of the icy waters of the Atlantic. He testified he was clinging to the ship debris when Harper swam to him, twice challenging with a biblical invitation to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He rejected the offer once again. Yet given the second chance and with miles of water beneath his feet, the man gave his life to Christ. Then as Harper succumbed to his watery grave, this new believer was rescued by a returning boat. As he concluded his remarks at the Ontario meeting of the survivors, he simply stated, I am the last convert of John Harper. When the Titanic set sail, there were delineations of three classes of passengers, very much like being on an aeroplane. Those first class 
on the, on the ship, there was business class, and there was economy. Yet immediately after the tragedy struck, the ship owner placed a board outside its office in the UK with only two classes of passengers. Remember, they entered the boat with three classes of passengers. First class, business class, and economy on the ship. But after the ship sank, the owners of the ship put up a list outside the head office, and it only had two classes of passengers. And one class said, those known to be saved, and the other list said, those known to be lost. The owners of the Titanic had simply reaffirmed what John Harper already knew. They are people who know Christ and will spend eternity with God in heaven, and many others who will not. May we be as zealous as Harper was with every opportunity to share the gospel to the perishing. Noah did four things. Noah walked with God. And I challenge each of us, are you going to walk with God? Noah worked diligently for God, whether in the pastorate or whether you're out in the marketplace. Will you walk or will you work diligently? Whatever your hand finds to do, will you do it with all your, you know, with all your might? The third thought is we need to wait patiently. As Noah waited for many years for this boat, even as God was waiting for people, will you wait for God patiently for whatever God has called you to do? But last and finally, will you witness faithfully? There are perhaps people in your room, in your office, in your chama, in whatever it is, and they think you're a nice person, but you've never taken the time to tell them about God. Noah made sure his entire family was in the ark with him. Harper made sure that everybody he could get was basically going. There was no he's going to become a pastor of the Moody Bible Church when people were dying right in front of him. And he died at the Titanic. He was one of the people who died. Will you witness faithfully? But if you don't know Christ, then you can't actually witness. You cannot give what you don't have. And let's all close our eyes. And perhaps in the dying minutes of this message, perhaps there's one person in here who's heard this message and says, Robert, I would love to know this Lord Jesus Christ. This Jesus Christ that Harper was preaching about even as he went down. This God that, you know, I guess Noah, looking forward, would have wished that his family would know. Is there a person in here who says, Robert, please pray for me. I'll not ask you to come in front right now. I just want to say, would you like me to pray for you that you would know this God? So that when the final list is done of those known to be saved and those, not, and those known to be lost, you'll be on the list of those known to be saved. Is there anybody who'd like to raise their hand and in so doing says, Robert, please pray for me. I'd love to do that. Lord God, I thank you for everybody who's here. Thank you for those who've heard the message. Lord God, help us, like Noah, to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ, or talk to, or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721 990 880. God bless you.